Welcome into the Juco Weekly Podcast. I'm Mike Fraser. As we talk Juco basketball, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, we thank you so much for tuning into the Juco Weekly Podcast. This podcast is free. It's weekly. We'll carry it all the way through talking hoops, all the way through the NJCAA tournament in mid-March as uh, 32 teams uh, vie to get one of those slots to try to win a national championship. Great drama out there in Hutchinson, Kansas. And uh, we'll have uh, uh, a weekly uh, report and a podcast talking about the players, the teams, the coaches. Uh, you know, you look at some of these teams and they are phenomenal. Uh, let's look at the top 25 real quick. Uh, South Plains, number one. Daytona State, two. Vincennes, three. Mineral Area College, four. Trinity Valley is five. Six through ten, it's Barton, Chipola, Northwest Florida, Lee, College and Odessa College. 11 through 15, Salt Lake City, Collie, Triton, Hutchinson, and Snow. 16 through 20, Indian Hills, Panola College, Moberly area. 19 is Butler, New Mexico Junior College at 20. And 21 through 25, Eastern Florida, Florida Southwestern, Northeast Mississippi, Midland, and College uh, of Southern Idaho. Those are your top 25. We caught up with Nick Nielsen. He'll be a regular a contributor here uh, on these uh, weekly podcasts and he talks about not only the teams but some of the players that uh, make this uh, basketball season already a pretty good one and here is that interview people who follow juco basketball know that uh, this is the guy this is the the man that that, that knows juco basketball in and out his uh, predicting the uh, tournament field is darn near flawless uh, he hit 100 percent back-to-back years a couple of times when he wrote for juco weekly and uh if he misses he misses one of those bubble teams only one of them so uh man this is the guy that knows junior college basketball he knows uh, how the njcaa committee thinks and uh he is spot on we're happy to have him nick uh happy new year to you and uh, welcome to the juco weekly podcast Hey, Mike, thanks so much uh, for having me on. I'm happy to be here. And as you know, I love the opportunity to talk junior college basketball. Yeah. Where did you get your affection for Juco basketball? I uh, grew up in Southern Indiana. My dad uh, taught at both Lincoln Trail and Vincennes University and just grew up going to the games. And as a young kid, went to all the different uh, awesome sites throughout the country, whether it was Wabash Valley or Moberly or... Yeah. Uh, Burlington, Indian Hills. We always went out to the national tournament in Hutchinson, Kansas. So just grew up with uh, with a love affair for the game, a love affair for all the different great junior college basketball uh, communities, and I've uh, been following it ever since. How long did it take you to get a real good feel on how the committee thinks? Because you are darn near perfect if not, you are perfection when it comes to the field that is announced for the tournament in Hutch. Yeah, so I think the NJCAA selection committee is, um, you know, they put out a criteria, right? And uh, to, to oversimplify it somewhat, they're looking at Division One wins and they're looking at how you fared against competition that was ranked or receiving votes throughout the year. I mean, those are the two um, guiding lights. And if you follow that criteria, they follow that process really, really closely without much uh, derivation. So if you know the process you, you kind of can figure out who the teams are going to be. Yeah, with the, the NJCAA top 25 recent poll is out. South Plains, number one, Daytona State, two, followed by Vincennes, Mineral Area College, and Trinity Valley at number five. 
of those five, what jumps out at you? Uh, Mineral area jumps out uh, to me. I mean, they play just amazing defense. I don't know if it was the polar vortex, but, you know, they held Moberly this weekend uh, 14 minutes without a basket. Uh, Greg Heyer has them playing incredible defense. If you like great defensive basketball, you know, mineral areas really can't miss television. I do a great job uh, with their live stream on YouTube as well. Six through 10 is Barton, Chipola, Northwest uh, Florida State, Lee College, and 10, Odessa. What jumps out you, at you there? Yeah, so Chipola uh, was largely a wild card. They hadn't had any wins against teams that were ranked or receiving votes all year. This weekend, they go to Northwest Florida, pick up a big win in overtime for Coach uh, Donnie Tindall, his 99th win at Chipola. And then Odessa, they they started off super hot. They were kind of a top five team, looked like a national title contender, slipped back a little bit, but uh, looks like they're riding the ship. Big 73-52 win over Midland last Monday. Uh, this is a team that's surging, um, and Coach, uh, Coach Bucket does a great job with the Wranglers, and they're going to be a team to contend with down the stretch. Salt Lake Community College, Cowley, Triton, Hutchinson, and then Snow College round out the top uh, 15. How about those five? Yeah, I think the one that jumps out to me there is Hutchinson. Um, you know, Coach Tommy DeSalm, known for his full court trapping press. And this is just a different team. They've really adjusted their style of play, um, probably a little bit more forward-oriented than guard-oriented. So they've kind of stopped the trap. And it's just a different style of Hutchinson basketball uh, but this is a team that is surging right now. They're clearly a top three team in Kansas. And, you know, we'll, I think junior college basketball is better when the Blue Dragons are relevant. They're certainly relevant right now. 16 through 20, Indian Hills, Panola College, Moberly, Butler, and then New Mexico Junior College. They hit the 20 slot at 14 and 2. Yeah, and you know they they get welcomed uh, to the top twenty five. You know they just got beat by South Plains, so a little bit unusual why they're in the top twenty. Um, so that sticks out to me. The other thing, Indian Hills, it just has to go on record. They probably have the toughest schedule schedule in the modern day history of junior college basketball. They've been put through an absolute meat grinder of a schedule with a brand new coach, uh, twelve and four, really good basketball team, and they play. Maybe the greatest rivalry in all of college basketball as they travel to Burlington, Iowa, and take on Southeastern Saturday night. And then rounding out the top 25 in the NJCAA, Eastern Florida, they check in at 14-3, and three, ranked 21st in the country. Then Florida Southwestern is at 22, Northeast Mississippi as 23 midland 24 and then college of southern uh, the college of southern idaho uh, gets at number 25 slot uh, those bottom feeders there are bottom feeders but those uh bottom five what, what jumps out at you there nick well i mean it's just it's such a value play i see two teams there that i think are completely capable of winning a national title really florida, florida southwestern uh with uh, wing des lindsey Six foot ten Tyrone Baker, you know, as gifted as anybody in the country as a duo, played a tough schedule. They're going to be battle tested. Coach Eric Murphy does a great job. They're in this newly formed Citrus Conference. That's a that's going to be great competition. But then the College of Southern Idaho, they've dealt with injury after injury. But uh, this is maybe the most bizarre thing in the history of the NJCAA poll. They were ranked twenty first last week. They go and they get two top twenty five wins over Salt Lake and Snow. And they get punished by dropping in the poll four spots. So 
an absolute bizarre occurrence that you go out and you beat two top 25 teams and you drop four spots in the poll two great guards they got a they got a big man who can protect the rim a team that is no doubt capable of winning the whole thing in the national tournament how do you explain that college of southern idaho dropping in the poll like that um there is no rational way to explain it sometimes weird things happen with uh, with folks that vote you know unlike the ncaa basketball poll there's just not nearly as many people you know who are actually voting on the poll i think right now I think there's 14 folks, um, uh, one from 14 districts who vote on it. So somebody forgets to put them in and you have a weird anomaly like that. But I mean, they're they're a top 15 team uh, today. And uh, I think someone probably inadvertently left them out of their poll. Joining us is Nick Nielsen with the Nielsen file. He gets the job done, knows his Juco basketball, and uh, is a household name around the Juco circuits when it comes to hoops around the NJCAA. Uh, some of these uh, top players uh, in the country, I want to start with the with the guards. Uh, in your opinion, at this juncture, you know, we played anywhere from 15 to 20 games, generally speaking, with these teams. Who are, uh, who are three guards that really stand out uh, for you here at this juncture? Yeah, and uh, you know, I in full disclosure, I follow the the teams a lot more closely than I follow the players. So I'll give out that disclosure there. And a lot of this is just personal preference and guys that stick out to me as I watch the games. Uh, I'll start with the number one team in the country, and I'll start with their lead guard, Jabari McGee. Really, kind of a combo guard. He's committed to UAB, and UAB has had a great track record recently. Uh, with junior college players who are excelling within the program. Uh, so I think that is a great fit for him. It's a great fit for UAB. And, um, you know, he's just a guy when the game's on the line and you go down the stretch, that's when he's at his best. And that's what you're looking for from a, a sophomore lead guard. And uh, I'll go to the number two team in the country next. If this kid was 6'6 or 6'7, he's probably a, a first round NBA draft pick, but he's uh, he's six foot four and he still has a chance to play professional basketball. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce to pronounce his name, but it's Josue Grion uh, from Santa Domingo, uh, Dominican Republic. He's on uh, Daytona State. He's just a terrific two guard, averages uh, 20 points a game, about six and a half rebounds, four assists, really shoots the basketball, good athlete. Uh, he is a really fun player to watch. And then a freshman qualifier, uh, left-handed guard out of Vincennes, LeBron Thomas, Who's, who's had a really terrific season. He was a red shirt, uh, medical red shirt last year. He's been injured off and on, but as a freshman, he's really had a terrific season, especially when he's been healthy. Big win versus John A. Logan Saturday night. Logan had beat the Blazers nine consecutive games, but LeBron with the game on, with the game on the line, stepped to the free throw line, 16 for 16, 27 points and a big win for the Blazers. Man, no doubt. Um, uh, what are some of the teams that have uh, that surprised you in the, in the win column uh, so far this year? I think the team that surprises me the most is Mineral Area. Teams get, yeah. um, you know, Greg Heyer, brand new coach there. They, I don't believe they were ranked receiving votes in, uh, in the first poll. And, you know, people make a lot out of some of these jamborees that happen. And I don't know that coaches put a lot of stock in them. But, you know, there was there was tape floating around where they got beat by 38 points in some jamboree preseason. Everybody was talking about, you know, hey, it's going to be a rebuilding year. You know, they're not going to be good at mineral area. And, um, you know, Coach Hire has proved that he's a really, really good basketball coach. 
And this team is really, really difficult to score points on. And they're fun to watch if you enjoy defensive basketball. So it might be fair or unfair, but I would say this team has probably surprised more people than anybody else in the top 25. Nick, how about uh, at this point, what's the, the best conference going right now? Yeah, I think the best conference in junior college basketball is a brand new conference. It's the Citrus Conference um, in Florida. The way that Florida yeah. you know, had broken down, it was three conferences. You had the Panhandle and you had these other two conferences. And what you know, the other two conferences did, I think, was really smart is they joined forces and created this newfound Citrus Conference. And now you, you have four of the six big dogs in Florida are the Citrus. So it's taken a little bit of luster, I think, away from the Panhandle. And that Citrus Conference, you know, the four top teams there are going to be Daytona State, Florida Southwestern, Eastern Florida, and then Indian River. So four really good basketball uh, teams. So they're going to have uh, six games head to head, and it's going to uh, it's going to prepare those teams for the state tournament, which is really really important. You know, as we know in junior college basketball, Florida's all but a guarantee to get three teams to the national tournament. So you know, winning the league in the Citrus might be good enough to secure an at-large for the national tournament. And then on the flip side of that, when you go to the conferences and you look at it, you take a state like Mississippi, you know, the rules only three out-of-staters, I think they only allow. So that's a tremendous disadvantage. Um, do, you, do you ever see that changing? I mean, Mississippi is probably just going to get one team in, and that's whoever wins that region tournament. That's a pretty fair assessment, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's always room for one-offs, um, you know, that occur from year to year. But what what a team from Mississippi would have to do is that they would have to go out of conference and they would have to secure, you know, some marquee wins. Northeast Mississippi, they went to Vincennes last year. You know, they played John A. Logan. They played Vincennes. They beat John A. Logan before John A. Logan rattled off 30-plus wins and won a national tournament. Northeast Mississippi would have, they gave themselves a chance. They put themselves in position to potentially go out and get an at-large bid because of those out-of-conference games they played. Now, unfortunately, they had some injuries that completely decimated that team and they fell off later in the year. But that was a team that was talented enough to get to the national tournament and they were talented enough to go out and win those big games. You know, Northeast Mississippi is by all accounts, the top team in Mississippi this year. Once again, you know, Coach Cord Wright does a great job. He goes out and plays people. And they go to they go to Missouri and they play Mineral Area and Mineral Area, you know, puts it on them by 50 plus points. So some of these conferences are it's just going to be really, really challenging to ever get an at-large bid. There's only eight at-large bids for the entire country. And you know, there's really and the reality of it is, is there's really about 20 programs that are really going after the at-large bids. I mean, you can you can say before the season starts by looking at their schedule before it before it ever begins, there's really 20 programs that are raising their hand and say, um, yes, NJCAA, we indeed would like to have one of these at-large bids. So, you know, regarding bubble teams, um, at this stage to the selection show, um, who are going to just be, who are two or three bubble teams or four bubble teams that are going to be just that, in your opinion, from now until the selection committee makes the uh, choices? 
Well, the beautiful thing about junior college basketball is really every game matters and it has an yeah. element almost of the college football season. So, you know, these coaches would tell you they are on the bubble all the way to the, you know, to and through the district tournaments. So nobody feels safe. Even the number one team in the country, South Plains, they, they have a couple of bad weeks and all of a sudden they're on the bubble. But, I, you know, I think some places to look, um, if I'm thinking about the bubble, logistically is, you know, what happens out West, Salt Lake, CSI, they probably both get in, but one of them certainly would be on the bubble. You can go to Iowa, you have Indian Hills and Southeastern. Um, once again, Southeastern's played this unbelievable schedule, but they have, you know, four losses and they're probably going to lose a couple more. You know, one of those teams is going to find themselves on the bubble. And then the Northern Illinois winner, which is region 24 is going to play the Missouri winner. Right now, you have two of the hand, you know, two of the three teams, I believe, four teams that are undefeated: Mineral Area and Triton. You know, could potentially play each other um, in a district play-in game to go to the national tournament. Triton loses that game; they're squarely on the bubble. So, those would be three places that I would look for. You know, potential bubble teams. Um, you know, East Texas has has never been a, a place that has really produced a lot of at-large teams, but Trinity Valley, Lee, Panola, they've they've all played well. They've, they've all had marquee wins out of conference, and they've changed their schedule to allow themselves to legitimately be in the at-large conversation. So I think those are the places where you're going to see at-large bids come from or you're going to see teams on the bubble because we know that there's going to be certain regions that are going to automatically draw the at-larges, the Floridas, the West Texas, Kansas, you know, that's, that's probably a foregone conclusion that that is a minimum of four of the eight at-larges there. Man, that's cold. Mineral area college, 16 and 0, Triton 17 and 0. And they're, and those two, uh, one of them could get knocked out. I mean, that's, that's just how cold hearted this process is. I mean, that, that you look at that and go, Whoa. Yeah. It's cut throat. I mean, in, in Triton, you know, out of all the teams in the poll, Triton might have the greatest case that they have been slighted um, because they've played three ranked teams. They've beat them all. Um, they haven't played any proper JV uh, games. And, you know, first year coach Brian Burns is thinking, what the heck? I'm 17 and 0. Why am I ranked 13th? But uh, the, the great thing about junior college basketball is everybody gets a chance to make it to the national tournament. Some people just have a little bit more margin of error than others. Um, yeah, so we'll see how it true. plays out. Yeah, you know, I look at um, uh, Kansas. You know, you've got a Butler in there, Hutchinson. I know you talked on Hutch fourteen and two. Uh, what do you see out of Butler at thirteen and three so far? Yeah, so I mean, I think Butler is going to be one of those teams on the bubble. Um, yeah, you know, they've they've struggled away from home just a little bit. Uh, you know, so you got four teams that are ranked in Kansas, and right now. Uh, Barton, Cowley, Hutch, Butler, right? Only three can get in. You know, that's the rule. Um, so somebody is going to, at least one of those teams is going to be left out. Um, so we'll see what happens with Butler. But I think I think right now those other three teams are clearly ahead of them. And, um, you know, I think Coach Kyle Fisher would admit that there's, there's work to do to get back up in that mix. And then, uh, you know, you got Garden City, who's not ranked, not receiving votes, but they have two tremendous guards, and Brody Robinson and Braxton Jones, who are as good of anybody in the country as a backcourt duo. And you got the big man, uh, uh, Thomas King Tut, 
um, there who's a legit power forward who can play in a power five conference. So, I mean, they have three big time division one talents on that roster. And for the people who follow junior college basketball, it wouldn't surprise anybody if Garden City, you know, were to win that district tournament and, and go to Hutch and leaving only two uh, at large spots for the Kansas teams. You know, you look at, uh, as we talk with Nick Nielsen, with the Nielsen file uh, here talking Juco uh, basketball, uh, Daytona State to me is an interesting case. I mean, 17-0, but man, their last three years, they've always been up there. Uh, uh, how have they how have they done it in such a very difficult state and now conference, but they just don't seem to miss a beat over the last three years. And here they are at 17 and Oh yeah. Coach Joey Cantons does a fantastic job. He's kind of known as one of the great offensive minds in junior college basketball. And I, I think what they did this year is they improved their schedule. And I think that's the key for some of these programs that have won a lot of games, but haven't been able to get over the top um to get a chance and you know they went to northwest florida and they beat northwest florida um on the road which is a huge marquee win and now because of the formulation of this newfound citrus league you know they're going to have six head-to-head games with serious competition indian river florida southwest eastern florida twice so daytona state is an offensive juggernaut and um, it would be really fun to watch them in the sports arena out in Hutchinson, Kansas. And defensively, right now, who jumps out at you? Arguably, who's the best defensive team in the country? I think Mineral Area would be a clear cut. You know, number one, I think Barton is right in the mix. Uh, you know, Vincent University with Coach Todd Franklin is, you know, they hang their hat on defense and rebounding. I don't know that Coach Franklin is, you know, is completely happy with where they're at defensively, but. Um, he'll do everything in his power to get them to improve. And, you know, Chipola with coach Donnie Tyndall, um, I think they're, they're giving up 63.6 points a game, sixth in the country. Um, So, I mean, those are the four teams really in the top seven that play tremendous defense. There's a reason why those programs historically, and those coaches not only get to Hutch, but they do really well once they get there as well. You know, the last couple of moments we have with Nick Nielsen, Nick, uh, this um, uh, tournament has really grown in affection. I mean, a lot of people, it's always been dramatic. It's one and done. It used to be a double elimination tournament. Since they've gone to the format of it's just one game, you lose, you're out. That's the end of it. Do you like that? If so, why? If you don't, why? Yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, I'd love to see it go to 32 as opposed to 24, just because I, I would like some of these districts, you know, to get a little bit more exposure to give them a chance at the national stage. You know, for example, whoever wins Dakota, uh, Montana, let's just give them an at-large bid to the national tournament. Let's not make them, you know, drive 14 hours to play the Iowa winner. You know, same with Arizona, right? Let's, if Eastern Arizona or Arizona Western or Cochise, you know, is the winner, you know, let's not make them go play Salt Lake or CSI. It would be great to see some, you know, see some of those teams get a chance to play in the national tournament. But I never liked watching the, the um, I hate to call it the losers brackets game, loser bracket games. But, you know, once a team has been, has been uh, eliminated from winning a national championship, there's just not the same zip and zest and, and, and uh, desire to be there. 
So I think you've taken all that away. You know, these kids not only are playing to win a national championship, they're playing to improve their future by trying to get, you know, a scholarship to a four-year program to improve their own stock. And um, I think the games are terrific. I think the product of watching the games at the national tournament is second to none. I would rather watch that than the NCAA tournament or the World Series or the Super Bowl. I think it's the best sporting event in, um, in the country. And this year, I think the production value is going to be even better. ESPN Plus is going to cover the entire national tournament. And I think that's a really good thing for junior college basketball. Last question. Um, will the NJCAA ever strongly consider going to a 32-team field? Yeah, I, I don't know if they will. I don't know if logistically it's even it's even feasible or possible, but I would hope so. Um, I, I think with... I think they're open. I think they've shown the willingness to be open-minded, right? Going from 16 to 24 to seed the teams in the 24, you know, 15 years ago it was possible because the seeds were determined before the season started. You could have the number one versus number two ranked teams in the country play each other in the first round of the national tournament. So the NJCAA has came, uh, has come a long ways. They've made a tremendous amount of improvements and I have no idea if they're talking about going to 32 or not but I think it would be a, a great thing to see. Well, that'll wrap on the Juco Weekly Podcast. Uh, thanks to Nick Nielsen again for dropping in, folks. That man is the guru. That is the guy when it comes to Juco basketball. You will not get any better insight, knowledge, than when you listen to Nick Nielsen talk about uh, what's going on with uh, – with junior college basketball. I mean, the guy's just flat out the best in the country. We're happy to have him uh, as a regular contributor on the Juco Weekly Podcast. Uh, that's a wrap for this week. We'll be back next week. I'm Mike Frazier saying so long, everybody. Mm-hmm.